Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. All right, good morning, good morning, good morning. Just a couple of things before we jump into the message. Um, just just happened uh, Friday. Um, it kind of developed over a couple of weeks, but... Um, uh, Josh Muse, the leader of the ministry in Mexico and, and Africa, Kenya. It's not just Kenya, it's, it's that region of Africa. He also does a lot of ministry in, in Muslim Africa. <clears throat> uh, uh, contacted me, and uh, if you remember, we were raising $30,000 to send to this ministry, and he, uh, he was going to use it to build a pastor training center because his vision is to raise up pastors to plant churches that plant churches, which is our vision, to raise up leaders that plant churches to plant churches, right? Remember that? Okay. Well, he called me and said, guess what? Uh, And this is something about Josh. Anything he touches moves quickly. All right. He's got over 70 churches in Africa. He's, I don't know how many churches and ministries they already have connected with in Mexico, and he's been there just two years. Uh, I think it's like 30 or 40 uh, that they already have. They have several bases already within less than two years. He's 30, maybe 31, I think, something like that. So he's a young guy, but whatever he puts his hand to just accelerates, and God's blessing is on him. So what happened was he said, guess what? Rather than building a building, we found a building that meets our needs perfectly. Uh, in fact, more than what we, we you know, our, not only current needs, but advanced needs. And, um, and it was in the price range. It was the right price, $25,000 for this uh, 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 kind of warehouse space that they can renovate into a meeting center that's gonna be their training base uh, for that part of Mexico, central uh, Mexico. And then uh, next door to it is a 14, uh, unit uh, hotel complex thing, something or another, I don't quite understand it, that they're also interested in buying. John or not, and Dan Slade was there just a few weeks ago, and they're like, this is perfect. Get the meeting space, but then also raise money to buy the, the hotel and renovate it so it would be a training center, a hosting center. So there's two things. Um, <clears throat> so this is what happened. We had $9,000 already raised, and he said, if there's any way you could uh, get that money to us, I could go over and put that money down and actually get possession of the building, okay, in terms for payment for the rest, all right? Uh, <laughs> I'm like, Josh, no problem. Go for it, all right? And so he may have done it yesterday. I don't know if he did it either on Saturday. We wired him the money on Friday. The ninth, I bumped it up to 10000 because I know we're going to get at least another 1000 in <clears throat> this Sunday. <laughs> and so uh, he's got the money. If he didn't do it Saturday, he'll do it Monday. Set down, he'll give them the $10,000 down. They'll give terms for the, the remainder of the $25,000. Uh, what, $15,000, and, uh, and, and hopefully <coughs> that, that will all trans, uh, transpire. And then when Mark and I go in March, we won't be going just to see the place uh, or to see the, the vacant land. We're going to dedicate the building. Wow. Boom, and pay it off. Yeah. Come on. 
So that's why we need you to uh, get that the rest of that 20 whatever thousand we need in uh, before March when Mark and I go, and I'm just believing. So, Father, we just thank you that we can partner with a, a ministry that's changing nations, Lord. And, uh, and I just believe that as we invest in the world, uh, you're going to return uh, the investment to us, Lord, that, that uh, we're reaching out to people in, in, in really dire poverty, both in Mexico and this area of Mexico and in, in Kenya. And you're going to turn about and, and give us uh, um, a return on that investment. And so we bless it and bless everyone who gives to this uh, fundraiser as well. Lord, as we give in faith, you are faithful to return uh, exponential, exponentially in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So <clears throat> I have a very big problem this morning. <clears throat> Normally I have notes and we go through the notes and it's a very structured teaching. Uh, but this morning, I'm, I'm, I actually have paper notes, but I can't use the notes because if I do, we'll be here for over an hour because I, <coughs> I taught this message in Vandalia last week, and we did. It went over an hour. Uh, and so somehow I have to get through this quickly, um, uh, and so I'm going to try to. <coughs> and if I don't, forgive me, okay? <coughs> Is that all right? Uh, um, so we're talking about the three journeys, talking about the inward journey for the first trimester of the, of the year. And the inward journey is all about uh, uh, growing as an individual in deeper unity and connection with God. And, uh, you know, I'm going to unpack basically what the inward journey is throughout the first four months of this year. We already started, Mark uh, introduced the idea, and we're, we've begun it. But I want to uh, unpack it a little bit. And we're going to take some time, we're going to take several months to talk about this journey that we're all on. Uh, the inward journey is getting to know ourselves, getting ourselves healed and uh, holy, connected with God in the right place. The upward journey is getting connected with God, getting to know God better. And so we're going to take several months just to really dive into a deeper study of knowing God, knowing His character, His attributes. And then the outward journey is knowing others. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's an equally important part of being Christian is not just getting yourself uh, holy or, or right or fixed. It's not just getting to know God, but it's actually uh, connecting with the world in the way that God wants us to so that we draw people in to that unity that we've discovered. We're reconciling the world to God, all right? So I'm going to reference a whole bunch of scripture, but I don't have time to turn to all those scriptures and read them, or else we'll be here for three hours, okay? And I got three hours, right? I'm going to be here three hours anyway. So, <laughs> so we're going to try to do this in an orderly way. Uh, and if, if you want a more structured teaching, just come back when, the next time I teach and, and you'll get it. <clears throat> all right, is that good? Okay, so uh, the main verse we're going to read uh, from, I'm going to teach through this one verse, and then we're going to do an illustration. <clears throat> and so the verse is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And this is uh, really the conclusion of the book of Thessalonians. It was written by Paul to the church in Thessalonica, and uh, teaching them and giving them instruction about how to live the Christian life, of course, and how to continue and grow. And he's kind of wrapping it up, and a lot of people read through this, because it kind of sounds like a closing, you know, at the end of a letter. Remember when you used to write letters? <laughs> Half the people in here say, nope. 
<laughs> now at the end of emails, you don't even have to do that anymore, right? <laughs> you just state the point and that's it. But you used to have to kind of like wind down. <laughs> so, hey, I hope everything goes well, kind of like in a conversation. Um, <clears throat> but this is the word of God. It's not just a writing of Paul. This is inspired scripture. And so every word in the Bible has power and meaning, right? And so this has just as much as any of the other ones. And so he says, uh, writes the word of the Lord in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Everybody say completely. Okay, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. If you're not familiar with that, the Amplified is like they, they pack in as, in as many words as they can to kind of help us understand the original uh, Greek or Hebrew uh, phrasing of it. <clears throat> so in the Amplified it says this, May the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, separate you from profane things, make you pure and holy, consecrated to God, and may your spirit, your soul, and body be preserved, sound, and complete, and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Wow, there's a lot in there, isn't there? All right, there's a lot of stuff. Um, in the message, he puts it this way, translates it this way, uh, may God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, don't you like that? Um, make you holy and whole. How many want to be holy and whole? How many want to be put back together? And he actually says that. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. All right, <clears throat> a couple of things. This is the teaching part of it. Then we're going to go on to the illustration. God himself does this. There's a number of places in Scripture where that phrase is used. That the, the, and here it says, may the God of peace himself. So there's an emphasis that God is personally involved in this process. All right? The God of peace is personal. He gives personal attention. God himself is active in this work of sanctification. May God, the God of peace, sanctify you completely. And so the inward journey that we're going to be talking about for the next several months is really another uh, way to uh, talk about sanctification. And that's a big word, lots of syllables, but it means being made whole. All right? It's, it's being, as the Amplified put it, uh, to separate you from profane things and to make you pure and holy... So getting rid of all the bad, the junk, and getting you full of all the good, and then to consecrate or to set you apart, wholly separate for God. <clears throat> so in the olden days, I don't know if some of you still do this, but people would have the fine china, right? Table work, plates and dishes, okay? <laughs> right, that they would only use for special occasions, right? And they would bring out the special china when there would be someone important that came to visit. And uh, they'd, they'd have the table all set up special. But you know, just for regular supper and dinner and lunch, it, they had other stuff that you used. And so that, that tableware was set aside, sanctified in a sense, for special use, 
Right? This is just a little image uh, to kind of help us understand that being set apart means that, man, you are dedicated to the most important thing. And so God's purpose is to sanctify you. All right? So say me. me. All right, so you're going to be set apart just, just for that holy purpose unto God that when God comes, he interacts with you. That's the process of sanctification so that you can have a direct connection with God in a way that's, that's special, unique, and complete. All right? <clears throat> and the complete is a really important part of it. Um, Paul was writing this to the Thessalonians who were already Christians. All right? And so I just need to explain this a little bit <clears throat> because some people have the idea that when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, that the, that the work of uh, sanctification was complete. But that's not what he meant when he said it is finished. All right? He meant that, every, that his mission was finished. Okay? And his mission was to come and die in your place. He took upon death he took your death, my death, the death of every man, woman, child on planet Earth, that death that was payment for sin, he took upon himself on that cross, right? And he accomplished his purpose. It is finished. And then he died, right? But that wasn't the end of the story, was it? We don't worship a dead Jesus, right? Uh, he was buried, but then what happened? He rose from the dead, and he demonstrated his victory over sin and death through the resurrection. And then, that wasn't the end of the story, though, was it? All right? There's the whole rest of the story. Was then, the Holy, then, then he ascended into heaven, and he said, wait in the Jerusalem until you get filled with the Holy Spirit that I'm going to be sending. It's the gift from the Father, and he'll lead you into all truth. And so we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then we have the whole rest of the New Testament teaching us how to live as Christians. All right, And so the fact that this is written to Christians saying that this is something God is doing means that it's an important part, it's a vital part of the walk of, Christian, of the Christian life to uh, be sanctified. And so what it is, we can't do anything to make ourselves holy, right? Do we understand that? So we don't do things that make ourselves holy. But we appropriate, we take what Christ accomplished on the cross, which was uh, dying for our sins and free, the freedom he gained through his death, and we appropriate that. We take it and, and, and put it to use, apply it in our lives so we can be free from sin and free from death. Does that make sense? And so that's the work of sanctification, is taking what Jesus accomplished, finished on the cross, and then working it into our lives so that we can then benefit from what Jesus obtained for us. It's a free gift, but it's a process that has to be walked out. And so these three journeys, the inward journey of sanctification, the upward journey of getting to know God, and the outward journey of connecting with the world and, and communicating the message of, of the gospel and influencing, changing our, our, our culture, changing our society, changing the world, are all happening at the same time. Okay, so, and each one of you are somewhere on each one of those three journeys. And really, it's one journey, but it kind of intermingles, all right? And so it's hard, in fact, I, I, when we introduce, we're going to talk about the inward journey 
first, uh, someone came up and said, why didn't you start with the upward journey? <laughs> you know, because you can't really begin the inward journey until you connect with God somehow. I'm like, I know, we kind of struggled with that. <laughs> uh, but we need, to we need to understand some things about ourselves, and that'll lead to understanding some things about God. But it really, they're all going, uh, uh, they're all operating at the same po point. Uh, and we're, uh, we're uh, advancing, hopefully, uh, in all three journeys in some way. All right, so it's a process, um, and we're applying the power of the cross, and... Um, and then it says, uh, sanctify you completely, uh, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so here we have uh, a definition of, of, of what constitutes a human being and what sanctification is all about. And that's the bringing uh, to wholeness our spirit, our soul, and our body. And, and restoring that completely, all right? So there's three separate parts of the, a human, and this is <coughs> reflective of uh, the fact that we're made in God's image, and God is what? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And so that triune nature of God is reflected in this idea that we are comprised of three separate parts as well. Now, you can't be too precise. I've actually studied this at length. You know, what is the spirit? What is the soul? What is the body? How they overlap? And they, they're all intermingled. But there's very clear, many times throughout Scripture, it'll talk about our spirit separately from our soul, separately from our body. Um, and um, but the goal of sanctification is that all three parts of being our human part are brought uh, to maturity and wholeness. And we're going to illustrate how that works. There's another scripture, and then we're going to do the illustration. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Okay, and so here we have another place. It's all throughout scripture. I could, I could teach for hours and hours of different scriptures that talk about there's a spirit part of you, and then there's a soul part of you. And the Word of God is so accurate and sharp that it can cut to the, to the, the separation of that. Uh, and then it talks about end of joints and marrow. Well, that's your body, okay? That's your bones and your marrow, all right? But it also illustrates that, um, you know, where does the bone stop and the marrow begin? Where does the soul stop and the spirit begin? You know, only the Word of God can discern that. Uh, certainly in their day, they didn't really know. We have, we have scientific instruments now that we can describe that. But I actually have seen inside bones, and it's all really just the same thing. Am I making sense here? <clears throat> so there's, a, there's a connectedness that's so connected that they overlap, but yet there still are distinct uh, attributes of each one, and understanding this will help us. Okay, I need five people. <clears throat> uh, all the kids are volunteering. <laughs> Emily, why don't you come up here? Come on up here. Um, Megan, you can come up here. Let's see. Come on up here. How many do I have? One, two, three. I need a guy. Uh, all right, come on up here. All right, uh, he stood up, so I guess he's going <laughs> to. All right, let's see here. Uh, we're going to start with you. You're God. <laughs> all right, you're actually going to be the world. You go down way on the other side. You three come together. <coughs> uh, all right, this will work. Yeah, can you come closer? Uh, <coughs> and then uh, step one step forward. 
little bit forward. Let me just, there you go, there you go, so I can get behind you. Okay, <clears throat> so in the beginning, uh, there's God. So uh, uh, Anthony here represents uh, the heavenly realm, all right? So God, but then all things heavenly, all right? And then this is a person's spirit. Say spirit. Spirit. This is a person's soul. Soul. And this is a person's body. Body. All right. And then this is the earthly realm or the natural realm. All right. So that you represent not only all of the people in the world, worldly systems, but like the planet and trees and rivers and flowers. <laughs> okay. All right. And so in the beginning, right, God breathed life onto man and he became a, a living being, right? And so why don't you go oh, hold hands? So there was a connectedness between God, man, these three represent a person, spirit, soul, body, and the world. All right. So there's, a, there's an even flow. God would walk through the garden in the cool of the day. So there was an integration with heavenly realm and worldly realm. God would talk to the people, right? Adam and Eve. <clears throat> and so there was an open communication, all right, Be from heaven. In fact, heaven is where God is. And so if God was walking on the garden, then that was heaven, wasn't it? All right? So really, they were living in heaven, but they were on earth. And I'll just give you a hint. That's what's going to happen in the end. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> like, at the very end of the end of the story, heaven and earth are rejoined, and that you can't really tell where one stops and the other one begins. Uh, huh? One becomes two. Becomes yeah, yeah, one becomes two. two you got that. <laughs> All right? And so, but what happened? Remember what happened? Uh, in the garden, sin happened, right? <clears throat> Don't eat of this fruit, because if you eat of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. So what happened was, uh, this, when they ate of the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil, there was a separation between God <clears throat> and the heavenly realm. And... In the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Did Adam and Eve drop dead? Did their body drop dead? No. Uh -uh. Did their mind and soul drop dead? Huh? No. Their spirit did. You're dead. Sit down. <laughs> Something else happened. There was a break. There was a break, okay? So the ties that connected this even flow were severed through sin. And again, I can't, I, there's lots of scriptures I could unpack all of this scripturally, but I don't have time. <clears throat> and so what happens in this scenario then uh, is that the, the, the soul, which represents your mind, your emotions, and your will, okay, um, now doesn't have... A living connection with the spirit and doesn't have access to God in the heavenly realm all right there, there, there's a there's a there's a void here that can't be uh, uh, overcome yeah 
And in fact, <coughs> over time, the soul actually completely reorients itself. And what the soul was getting from the spirit, which was getting, receiving from God, they, there's nothing coming this way. And so the soul then is dependent on the body and the world for its needs. Is it, okay? <clears throat> and so because it doesn't have access. And this is the state of fallen mankind. All right? And now this is the problem. Uh, okay, so this is the state. For, 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 for thousands and thousands of years, mankind, the majority of mankind lives this way. And then even when someone gets saved, we become new creations, right? So Jesus comes in. I'm going to be Jesus. <clears throat> and uh, the soul is separated. The mind comes up with whole ways of living and understanding life that is, doesn't know the spirit, doesn't know God, and just relies on things of the body, things of the world, for its sustenance, understanding, kind of interpreting everything, blind and dead to the rest of what really is our source of life, all right? Jesus said, uh, uh, eternal life is knowing the Father and His Son, all right? Jesus Christ. And so Jesus came in, <clears throat> I got this, I think last night or this morning, Jesus came in, in this state, took the death that was on mankind, upon Himself, and then he literally did this. He breathed on his disciples. Remember that part of the story? <sighs> what did God do in the garden with Adam? He breathed. All right. And so Jesus resuscitated our spirit. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> but he's no longer dead. But he's weak. All right. Because he's been dead, right? <clears throat> he's not strong. And then, <clears throat> so we have a connection between the God and the, and the heavenly realm, and our spirits are alive, but most of Christianity isn't aware, or we've lost an understanding and a, certainly an experience of our spirit man, okay? So we, are, we have a spirit. Some people say we're, we're not uh, bodies in adult with a spirit, we're spirits that dwell in a body. C.S. Lewis said something like that. <clears throat> But we're actually intended to be body, soul, and spirit eternally. Okay? So when, uh, the, uh, I don't want to go into it too much, but um, in the resurrection, we all get what? Body. A new body because our spirit and our soul need a body to live in because we're not whole until we have, we're, uh, we're, uh, the whole creation is eagerly groaning, waiting for the appearance of the sons of men, the, the, waiting for the resurrection, all right? So we need a body. This isn't evil, all right? This is, what's, what's evil is when it's broken. <clears throat> and so, and then most of Christianity is about, has been traditionally about equipping a person's mind and soul, all right? Because most of Christianity and Christian teaching, uh, not all of it, but most of it, emphasizes on things like training your mind, you know, re understanding truth, and, you know, seven principles to make you more like Jesus, and principle this and principle that. And I'm not speaking against principles. Principles are great. Okay? Principles are like the law. <laughs> the law is good. 
All right? But the letter kills. The Spirit brings life, right? <clears throat> and so if all we have is knowledge of truth or truths, we can have a real strong mind and soul, but still have a very weak spirit, all right? And we're not made whole. And so the inward journey is about reorienting the soul and reconnecting the soul with the Spirit and reconnecting the Spirit with God so that there's a flow that's healthy and living and, and vital. Uh, equipping, actually you need to use your other hand, <clears throat> equipping this soul to not just rely on understanding and knowledge, uh, you know, uh, just knowing truths and applying truths like a formula, but actually having spiritual connection with God um, <clears throat> so that then the soul can influence the body. How many know that God thinks your body's a good thing? All right? But if the body's in charge, everything gets bad. Right? And if your mind is in charge of your whole life, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's maybe a little better. Maybe you're not carnal, just pleasing the flesh, but you're just, you can have a mindset that is not unto God. God actually wants your spirit, stand up, to be strong and healthy, to restore this. And then it ultimately leads to our bodies then interfaces with the world. And this is, we then, now it's back in the proper order in which through our bodies and our mind <clears throat> being fed by our spirit in heaven, we can actually minister truth and life. Not just, not just don't do this and don't do that, but real life and the knowledge and experience of God in a life-giving way <clears throat> to bring about transformation in our communities and even I think you can change the atmosphere. You can change. I believe that we are called to steward the earth. And so we can bring about change by bringing the power of heaven through this mechanism into our worlds if we, if we have this. Now, let me just unpack this a little bit more. <clears throat> All right? Are you following me? Hopefully we'll have a minute or two for questions, but I doubt it. <laughs> All right. So couple of things just to throw in here. You can step back down. <clears throat> so if your spirit is weak, even if it's alive, if it's dead, then if you're still dead, there's a complete void here. But if the spirit is weak, and there's very little teaching about spirit and how to strengthen the person's spirit. We're working on that. <laughs> this, guess what? I'm no longer Jesus. I'm something else now. A another spirit can come in here what spirit do you think I represent now? Huh? No. Well, the Holy Spirit is the one that comes and resuscitates this spirit. Okay? So, but if, if this spirit is dead, you're dead. I'm a spirit being. Doesn't that fruit look good? You ought to take a bite of it. Probably should. <laughs> Yeah, it'll make you smart. I think it will. It doesn't look like it tastes good. What kind of spirit am I? Evil spirits. Where do demons fit in? Right here. 
Okay? Even if the spirit is alive but weak, Christians, can Christians be influenced by demons? Well, good, you understand that. <laughs> if Jesus was able to be influenced by demon, the demons, the devil himself, if Jesus had to resist the devil, how much more do we? And this is what happens. A demon can come in here, and the soul has a hard time discerning whether or not, is that, is that my spirit, or is, is that me? I've had people t say, talk about themselves uh, when they were really referring to the influence of a demonic spirit. Okay, but they don't know the difference. Uh, and certainly, and then some people that are uh, completely possessed, like we read about in the Bible, or you may have encountered some, uh, mean that if the spirit's dead, then the evil spirit can come in and actually take control. All right? <laughs> and so having, how do you avoid that? Having a strong, healthy spirit that is connected with the living God, then when an evil spirit comes in, this spirit, yeah, push me away. I want to get to that mind. Oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the Father. <laughs> One other thing. That's exactly how it works. All right? You can't ar out argue the devil. You can't. All right? Uh, he's a lot smarter than you. But you can stand up to him with an empowered spirit. Okay? And he has to flee. All right? One other thing. Let me close this up. I want you three, this is complicated. Stand back to back, make a triangle. You let go of the hand there. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so, because remember, this is actually one being. This is how we are. Uh, body, soul, spirit. <laughs> I forgot which is which. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and so, how this works in real life is that you guys kind of slowly rotate a little bit. Let's see. Let, let's have the soul, uh, the soul, the mind face the, the world. All right? And so um, uh, you can connect with the world through your intellect, right? And emotionally, right? But then you can rotate and you can connect to, to God and heavenly things through your mind. How would that happen? Inspiration. An inspiration, a revelation. A revelation. Mm -hmm. Boom! All of a sudden, thoughts that didn't happen, like the thought I had of Jesus resuscitating. A person to life was just like the, the father breathing into Adam. I'd never thought of that before. I thought of that last night. Uh, I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, and so I understand it in a new way. That's God just dropped that thought into my mind. What would be another way that might happen? Reading the Bible. You read God's word, get understanding, right? <laughs> um, so uh, uh, how would a spirit... Uh, connect to the world? That's a trick question. <laughs> yes, it can. It can. <laughs> huh? Are they loving a person? Remember, they're connected. A spiritual connection to another person. Most spirit, like soul ties, we teach about soul ties, are within your soul rotate over here, gets inappropriately connected to, well, it's either appropriate or in, inappropriately connected to someone in the world. So there's healthy soul ties like between a husband and a wife, between, you know, but then they can be unhealthy as well. Sometimes they can be broken off. But can your spirit connect to the world? I say yes, okay? Jesus would show up and demons would manifest. 
He didn't do anything. He was just in the room, right? Uh, <clears throat> did his mind accomplish that? When Jesus was on the boat and there was a storm, did his mind stand up and figure out the math that would change the atmosphere? No. No. He stood up and said, be quiet. Boom. All right? Nothing in your brain can do that. All right? So it had to be a God-empowered spirit reaching out and changing the world. The storm was calmed. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> How many want that? Right. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, let's see here. Let's turn the body toward God. <clears throat> there you go. Now, how might God touch the body? See, we think that the body is evil, the world's evil or bad. We need to restrain those. And most of discipleship, the inward journey, is, is mistakenly understood as bringing restraint to our, our mind so we don't think bad and our body so we don't do bad. But that's not what it is. The inward journey is really about getting this working properly. All right? Because your body was built to interface and connect with the God through your spirit, but also directly. How might God directly touch a body? Physical Boom. Physical healing. Right there. You know, another, another way. How many remember Dan Slade? <laughs> right. Read through the Bible and count how many people fall over when God shows up. They lose control of their body because God shows up in such a powerful way that they do something they normally would not do. All right? All right? So God can touch a body and bam, something happens, right? <clears throat> That's a good thing. <clears throat> now, here's another thing. If you pray in, a, in the tongues, right? Paul says, when I pray in a tongue, what part of this is the tongue? Body. This is pretty much pretty part of your body. Uh, everybody stick out your tongue. <laughs> yeah, nobody did it. <laughs> All right? So if I, I pray in a, in a tongue, my spirit prays using the tongue but he actually says the mind is unfruitful in other words not act, doesn't understand mm -hmm. and so we have a this is a great illustration <laughs> i think <laughs> we have a person's body and a person's spirit interfacing with god okay and the brain over here is going I don't know what's going on. And that's why it's so hard for us, especially Americans brought up in evangelical traditions of, of, of saying that the mind is the way to know God mm -hmm. and, and the Holy Spirit and, and speaking in tongues is, well, you just put your mind on pause and connect with God on a spirit level, but it uses your body, all right? <clears throat> and, and that is the only place in Scripture that says that you can edify yourself by praying in tongues, that you can build yourself up. There's lots of places to talk. It does, it, we're supposed to read the Bible, understand the Bible, understand truths, but praying in the Spirit, there's a, there's, a, there's a type of building up that can only happen through that. All right? <clears throat> and if, if you've never prayed in tongues, if, you, if you've accepted Jesus, if the Holy Spirit, as Jesus has breathed life in you, I believe that you can pray in tongues. A lot of people just don't know it. 
Um, they don't know how because they haven't been taught. <clears throat> so that's a great illustration of how we have body and spirit and God without mind. Uh, so, <clears throat> but it can happen. All of these things are meant to work together to restore. Let's go back to the original line. One more thing I got to say. <clears throat> All right. So the body. Okay. If you open up the refrigerator and you grab something that's been in the refrigerator for a while and you don't know if it's good or bad, what do you do? You smell it. You smell it. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so the body and the mind. So if you read something, right, and you need to say, is this, is this right or wrong? Then you engage your mind and then also your emotions. Does this feel right? You ever walk, ever, ever interact with somebody and just feel like, I can't trust this person, but you don't know why? Okay, that's, that's probably a, a soul discernment. Okay, so this is, I know I'm going over, sorry. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> so there's a filtration system set up here. God created a filter system because the world's filled with a lot of good stuff and bad stuff. There's a lot, you can, you know, even in the garden, they weren't allowed to eat certain things because it would make them die, right? And, and that came through the body. They actually ate something, right? So <clears throat> your body helps you filter, but so does your soul helps you filter. This is how it should happen. Things coming this way are to be filtered. The inward journey in sanctification is about learning the right filters, does that make sense? So you don't eat something of the world that ends up poisoning your spirit. Okay? <clears throat> but the flow, that's the filter, the flow is intended to flow from heaven. How much does God have? Oh. An endless supply. And so God wants to give you, primarily it's going to come through this, the spirit. And unfortunately, we're, we're ignorant to the things of the spirit. All right, spirit life. <clears throat> and so sometimes if you're around us long enough, you may hear, Kathy, my wife, does this a lot. We bless a person's spirit. And so that's just actually speaking to the spirit person. I just pray that your spirit man, I invite your spirit man to come to the forefront, to come in front of or above your soul, your mind, and your body, and bring your entire being, the spirit man, your spirit man, to come into complete alignment so that your soul and your body are properly aligned to receive from the things of God to restore your soul and mind and body completely. And the reason we, we need this flow is because we're called to the outward journey of affecting our world with something that's living and good. One question. Is there anybody got a pressing question? I explained it so well. <laughs> no one has a question. Prophecy. Very good. Where does prophecy? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. <clears throat> Most prophecy inappropriately comes from here. Okay, we, soulish prophecy, we teach the people in prophetic ministry to not prophesy out of your soul. That means if you're sitting with someone and, and you're looking at them and you think, you know, he looks like a businessman. And uh, I've had this happen to me. <clears throat> you know, someone prophesied because they thought I was a businessman. 
I, I knew what they were doing because I'm pretty skilled at this kind of stuff. <laughs> they were reading me. They weren't prophesying. And it was completely wrong. You know? uh, and none of that word came true. But I knew it at the time. God said, no, they're just reading you. Because they were using their mind and their feelings to say something about someone that they thought it was prophecy. Now, God can use those things, but we want prophecy primarily to be coming from the Spirit, hearing from God. Prophetic ministry is not uh, telling someone's future or speaking what you feel or think about them, but hearing, you tune your spirit, tune to the flow, what's God saying? And then the Spirit informs the mind, which uses the person's tongue <laughs> or pen to write something, that is inspired from God. So proper prophecy should primarily flow from a person's spirit connected with God. And, uh, but all prophecy, apart from the Bible itself, which has been, is, is authoritative, everything now, just like a sermon, is just like a prophecy in one sense, it's some God and some me, right, if I'm preaching? So prophecy is... You know, some of it's good and right, but it's, it's coming through a soul that's not complete yet. We'll get there, and, and we might be influenced by our body. And so we need to, we need to judge all prophecy. Uh, any prophetic word given to, uh, needs to be judged. <clears throat> the Bible has already been judged and determined to be true. But we need to judge our interpretation of it. Because <laughs> our mind can come in here and, and misinterpret, right? So even the Bible, uh, the Holy Spirit comes and teaches our spirit and reveals all truth and then is in the process of renewing our mind so that our thoughts are in line and our feelings are in line with the Bible, which then enables our body to do the things that the Bible teaches. And most discipleship it works the opposite way by restraining the body, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that, thinking that if you train the body like a dog really well, it will obey, and the mind will come under, again, putting restrictions on, on the mind, and they completely ignore the, the spirit, which never, never grows. And that, that's, that's wrong discipleship. It doesn't work. It doesn't really bring life. It may, it's the wrong huh? It's flowing in the wrong direction. <clears throat> and so God is restoring this understanding of this flow. All right, that's it. I'm done. <laughs>